Welcome to the first Kingdom Casts podcast from Kingdom Comics. This is our first attempt at a podcast, and it was recorded on Wednesday, June 12th, 2019. Albert and I discussed new comics out this week, so beware, there may be some minor spoilers. I should also add that Albert Marsh's opinion on Rob Liefeld is not necessarily the opinion of Kingdom Comics, except maybe the bit about Major X. Please enjoy. Let us know what you think. We will work to improve with each podcast, so please be patient with us. I'm Stan Daniel, and with me, as always, is Albert Marsh. All right, so, Albert, I got two words for you. Yeah. Rob Liefeld. <laughs> yeah, he's sort of he's sort of an idiot. So now wait a minute. You're you're being a bit harsh here to that. I mean, don't you think he, he may be a little on to something? Uh, for those of you that don't know, Rob Liefeld made a statement this week that DC Comics is going down and down in a big way. It seems like to me he's he got mad at Jim Lee about something and that's what started all this. So Well, how long is this how long has this been going on? I don't know. He mentioned that they pitched that they wanted him to do Thundar the Barbarian, and that fell through. And then Jim Lee came to him about doing, I guess, crossovers with image characters, mm-hmm. and that seemed to have fallen through as well. So, and so you think he's just upset at all this? You don't think there's any truth to it whatsoever? No, it's probably just Rob Liefeld being Rob Liefeld. He does this every few years. He'll do a bunch of work for Marvel or DC or or both of them for a short period of time. Then he'll get mad and go away for a little bit that's what he's doing here well okay but i got another question then what about these i'm going to go ahead and ask because i can't find it from any reputable source online but what about the uh, what about all these rumors going around that doomsday clock is now an elseworlds story is Uh, that true have you heard anything about that i doubt it It's, it's probably still continuity as far as i'm concerned well, I mean, I can't find any verifiable source, but uh, there's just all this buzz that because Doomsday Clock has been delayed and uh, now, you know, they've announced that, uh, is it King? Is it Tom King that's going ahead with Justice Society? Uh, no, it's Snyder. It looks uh, like. I'm sorry, Snyder. I get Snyder and King mixed up a little bit. They're both yeah, Batman they're gonna, guys. They're going to probably announce Bendis on Legion in a couple of days as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, but we knew that. I, or, or it seems like we knew that a while back. when. Yeah, that, well, that seems was. like it. Like he's 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 running that Wonder Comics line, so that seems like that's where they'd put that. Yeah, I, I not a real shock there with Bendis on Legion, but uh, yeah, there's just a lot of buzz online that they're talking about Doomsday Clock possibly being a Elseworlds type story, and I just I'd just be mega mega disappointed if they did that. I don't uh, see how after the last issue, I don't see how that's possible considering they reference Earth Prime and the multiverse and the metaverse and all that. Like, it seems like if, if it's an else world, it wouldn't be, it would be something different. Okay, well, what about this, this cover that's floating around uh, to the JSA with the boy reading the All-Star comics? That's Dr. Manhattan at the bottom of the table, is it not? Yeah, yeah, that's just a variant cover for issue 10 that came out a couple okay. weeks back. Okay, so this is not this has not got anything directly tied into uh, the Justice Society. Uh, they're just using that as a graphic on the site. Well, what are your hopes post Doomsday? I I'm, 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 I tell you, I you know I know you're the DC guy and I'm more the Marvel guy, it, but I was really enjoying Doomsday Clock all the way up until Heroes in Crisis. <laughs> we're pre- I mean, we're getting the whole point of Doomsday Clock was that we're we're going to get Justice Society and legion back somehow and we are even if 
is not involved with Doomsday Clock. They really, I wish they would leave Wally alone for the most part. Well, the, Wally's got, what is it? Flash, not Flash Rebirth, but Flash Run for it or something like that coming up in uh, September. Flash Forward. Yeah, it's Flash called Flash Forward. Forward. Yeah. yeah, and it's not, it's not written by uh, King. No. It's written by Labdale. I don't get the impression. Yeah, I, I don't get the impression. I I read somewhere that all the characters that were killed in Heroes in Crisis were not King choices. They were uh, they came from editorial. I mean that that could be it. Or King just doesn't want the the blame of it. I mean that's a regardless of who wrote it. Or I mean it's a it's a pretty stupid story. That's that's not good at all. And it can and it just it's just one more thing to, to throw on top of Wally unnecessarily. When they no, were... no, I agree with that. I'm a big Wally. I'm a big Wally fan. Uh, a Wally supporter. I don't think they ever should have brought Barry back. I didn't think that was necessary. Also, at the same time, I wasn't jumping up and down about uh, Wally having kids. I, I thought that was. I thought that added too much. Whenever you bring kids into it, it, it seems to weight it down. It gives a little too much weight to the character. I was with. Uh, I was with Heroes in Crisis. I was actually quite enjoying it, uh, especially the uh, Booster and Beetle stuff. I, you know, I'm a big fan of the uh, Giffen and Demadius uh, Justice League, yeah. And I was really enjoying that, and I, I was willing to buy the the kind of off-tempo approach that you know Barbara Gordon suddenly had toward Harley Quinn, that that they became fast friends and such. That didn't seem quite right to me, but I was willing to. Ignore all that to get to the Wally and the uh, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle situation. And then, dear God, I just don't know what happened to those last two issues. Yeah, I don't know if they decided to restructure it or write it. Because originally it was seven issues and then they added it to nine, which seems, which as you read the book, seems hardly unnecessarily, unnecessary because the plot just didn't really ever move forward much. It was just here's some here's everyone standing around and nothing much going on for for about for about five of those issues at least. Well, yeah, they had this they had this one entire issue that was dedicated to what I thought was an unnecessary what became an unnecessary character study to a minor character that I thought was going to pay off, but we never hear about it again. Yeah, uh, most of those characters like we kept getting those little character beats at the front and last of the of the comics that just that didn't really add or do anything. And I think the biggest issue is beyond Wally doing it is is just saying, well, Wally lost control of his powers, which never happened before, and he killed everybody. And and then he used time travel to try to fix it or undo it or or something. And just nothing, none of it really lined up too good to me. No, it didn't. I mean, it, it, it just kind of fell flat in the end. I, I thought the beginning was nice. I liked the little pages that, you know, each of the characters would make a statement across the uh, collage of the page while they were talking to the uh, Heroes in Crisis counselor or whatever it was. I liked those. I thought that was great character depth, but we never got anywhere with those. And then in those last three issues, it seemed like every other page was that. And it was getting to where I didn't care. The Robin stuff, the, well, if Jason is the uh, bad boy and Dick is the good guy and uh, Damien is the uh, wayward son, what am I? I mean, that was that was a played out joke by the time you got to the second Robin. And they, uh, the punchline with the spoiler there, like everybody forgets me, uh, uh, ha, 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 ha. That, uh, we could have used this, we could have used these pages to flesh this out a little bit more, to, uh, to do something along these lines. 
just even even from a time travel standpoint on the story, this was just I, I just don't know what was going on with editorial that week. I think it was Tom King wanted to write this story. Editorial said, "Well, here's the characters. You know, throw these characters in them. You got to kill these characters off, and then they just sort of let him do what he wants to." So. I think there may be a little too much of that going around. Bendis got away with a lot of that at Marvel, and I think he kind of burned himself out on it. I, you know, I'm a big Bendis fan. I love what he's doing on Superman. I'm enjoying Superman. Yeah. I went from loving it to, you know, okay, I'm I'm enjoying it. it. It's not, it's not, it's not bad. It's about the same level as it was before he came on the book, and it was a pretty good book before he came on it. Yeah. Uh, it's just that when you, I, I really don't think editorial has the strength that once did like say, and of course this is our first podcast. So naturally I'm going to reference them. Claremont, Claremont and Byrne. I mean, they editorial played a huge part in the dark Phoenix saga. They weren't going to kill her off. Uh, Jim shooter swung in there and said, Nope, she killed a planet full of asparagus people. She's going to die. Uh, otherwise she wouldn't have died. And would have kept going. And I don't think we see that enough now. And I kind of think that started with um, uh, your boy Grant. <laughs> Grant Morrison? No, I, I think that all, some of that stuff happened. May, I don't know when that stuff started really happening. I guess it started, to me, I, I'd put it back. I'd put it back in that era, but I'd put it more on the Ultimate Comics line. And it's and it's uh, and it's uh, influence on the main line as far as just being like oh yeah we'll, well just I'll, we'll just sort of let the writers do what they want and we'll we'll fix it up on the back end you know well I I think some of it came from you look at the authority and the authority has so much in common the original authority had so much in common with the ultimates by the especially by the time you get to ultimates three and of course of course Jeff Loeb is on his um uh, Jeff Loeb is on kind of a nihilistic kick in his own life at that point, and he's uh, uh, he's brought it to these characters. But there was a lot, Ultimates 3 just kind of felt like a, a faded Xerox copy of what we originally saw in The Authority, which, admittedly, a lot of The Authority was done to shock value and just showing you, look, 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 they're superheroes, they live like this, they're, you know, they're not necessarily abiding by your everyday morals, they, you know, they ju- they can get away with these things because they're powerful, and you you should just thank God that they're on your side. Yeah, you know, and then, but by the time you get to the yeah, by the time you get to the Ultimates, and I think there were uh, Ultimates three, and I think there was very little editing on that because that's well, what it, it, to me, what it came down to, Ultimates three gave us Ultimatum. Yeah, and, uh, and Ultimatum. I, I count the, that as part the, of it. Yeah, with the exception of you know Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man, it killed that whole line. They, that line never recovered after that. Oh yeah, I, that I was, mean, they tried it for years, and that was the end. The end of that line completely. Yeah, uh, I mean, the only survivor of the Ultimate Universe is actually, and the end of it is Miles. Miles Pretty Morales, much. and rightfully so, because other than you know, since Peter Parker had died, and he died well in that line. I know they brought him back, but. I don't count that because the world ended at roughly the same time. But, you know, Peter Parker had died and died well. He was a good character in that book. Uh, Miles was a, is a good character, was a good character, started off as a good character, is still a good character. But I think now Miles suffers from being one of many spider people in uh, what is the main Marvel universe. And I don't know if we're calling it 616 anymore or not. But you've got Peter Parker who's Spider-Man, and you've got Scarlet Spider, and now you've got Superior Spider, and uh, you know now you've got Miles running around, 
and countless number of spider women. I just I just feel that um, it's difficult to give it's difficult to give every one of these characters their day set in the uh, mainstream continuity universe. Now I know Spider Gwen is not, and Spider Gwen's an uh, entertaining book. Spider Gwen has always been entertaining. It it's never reached. I don't think it's ever reached Miles Morales levels of storytelling. No. But uh, but she's a she's a fun character, and she's fun to read. Uh, she you you know she delivers what you expect her to. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to a couple things. We kind of got a little off topic there, but uh, you read Silver Surfer Black, right? Yes, I did. What was your take? It was very good. I enjoyed it. Uh, I really liked the artwork for the most part. But I mean, for issue one and everything, it's set itself up and worked pretty well to me. And that that artwork was out there. The artwork was really, really out there, but it worked. Uh, I mean, in the context of the story they were telling, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted to see Arthur Adams or anybody else do this. This, this fit the nature of the Silver Surfer and the story being told. Yeah, to I me, it, it felt like almost like an old European comic, something that would have been reprinted back when. Yeah. Back back when heavy metal was good. Back I, in yeah, the, I started to say it know. feels like a, one of the BBC uh, one of the, I started to say BBC expert uh, excerpts, but it feels like one of the British magazine excerpts that uh, heavy metal used to pick up in the early eighties, or something that you'd even see in Marvel's Epic magazine, and it's uh, yeah three or four year run. It just it, it just felt perfect on this character. That was an awesome start to a uh, uh, to a good Silver Surfer miniseries. I like Dan Slott and all. I never uh, I never caught on to his Silver Surfer run. You know, I try as I might, it, it seemed a little too tongue in cheek to me for it that was, character. It was like it was to me. It was like just Doctor Who to an extent. Yeah, it re- yeah it really felt it, it really felt like that. It, Silver Surfer is a different is a difficult character to write. In the '90s and all that, he was the most interesting, the most interesting aspect of his run up until we got into the Infinity Stones, the Infinity Gems situation right before the Infinity Gauntlet. Was the fact that uh, the way Galactus had banished him to Earth was his board. Silver Surfer could leave the Earth, but his board couldn't. And I thought, oh, well, that's a that's a interesting new twist on this otherwise you know, kind of blandish character to me that worked one time in Fantastic Four. And every other time he shows up, Dr. Doom captures him to steal the power cosmic to, you know, do whatever Dr. Doom's going to do that month. But I really, I really liked Silver Surfer Black. Yeah, so did I. I thought it was a real cool book. I thought it, uh, yeah, I I thought this was, I I think this is the way Silver Surfer should be done. And I think, I think he's one of these characters that we shouldn't try to give a, ongoing series to but rather visit with him like maybe once a year for five issues when we've yeah. got something worth time to tell yeah so what else did you read read immortal hulk yeah yeah what what are you taking i know what jason's uh our our other kingdom friend jason being thinks of that and all he he couldn't quite get around it but what's your take on it uh to me uh the book itself to me is marvel's best comic right now it's a very good horror comic. I don't know what where the book goes from issue to issue. It seems a little based on what happened at the end of issue issue. I don't I don't know how that works. <laughs> well, I was thinking that myself, but it seems to be more. It seems to go back and look at the Incredible Hulk and uh, when Stan and Jack were d- was doing him in the very beginning and say, "Look at its core. 
this is a this is a horror story. It's Jekyll and Hyde, but yeah, it's also got these other monsters and the interaction there. And they've really, really exploited that aspect of it, that The Incredible Hulk is a horror comic. It's yeah. a story about a monster, a man and a monster. Uh, and the man is the monster, of course, and blah, blah, blah. But they've, they've just really gone into it unapologetically. They've pushed the limit of what the Hulk can be and what the Hulk can do. And I think it's... I think it's all the better for it. I agree with you. I think this is probably the best thing that Marvel uh, is putting out in its standard superhero line. Not that the not that the other books necessarily are horrible. This one is just this is an outstanding book. It's, it's uh, unique and different. Yeah, he you seems know, he seems to have an idea of where he's going. Uh, yeah, I you? think yeah, I think there's a, a long term plan in there about where about where he wants to end up. The issue is at some point in time, Marvel just may be. Some editor just may slip in there and say, like, well, your your big finale or this big arc is now our event comic and you've got to tie all this stuff into it. You know, that sort of that happens on occasion. Yeah. So long as they don't say, oh, OK, look, the Hulk's popular again in his own book. So we need him in uh, we need him in Avengers. We need him in Champions. We need him in, you know, this exact same Hulk, yeah. not one of the, uh, you know, 42 others that are running around. And I, that's something that's something that I think he's handled real well. Also, is the fact that what Byrne said made Wolverine unique was the uh, was the fact his claws were inside his forearms. Yeah. Uh, beforehand, they were pitching that the claws were part of the gloves, and Byrne said, "No, that's ridiculous because then anybody could put on the gloves and be Wolverine." And that almost seemed like a slight at Green Lantern because then anybody could put on this ring and be, you know, I, and I love Green Lantern. But that almost seemed to be, you know, meaning the same thing. That works with Green Lantern because you've got the Green Lantern core. But I don't think we need 25 Hulks, you know, like Amadeus Cho. And uh, uh, who else have we got? There there was a few of them that had popped up. I know we've got She-Hulk and She-Hulk is, they really, really need to fix She-Hulk. I do not like the savage yeah, I don't. Yeah, the, the, the version of the Avengers I don't like. But most of the other Hulk characters are sort of, your or Hulk's family yeah. is in, is just in the Mortal Hulk book itself. Yeah, well, Ross is dead now. I mean, I'm referring back to when they had the Red Hulk, the Blue Hulk, yeah, you know, or Blue Abomination or whatever. Uh, but Ross is dead again. Uh, so I guess, you know, with him, that takes care of the Red Hulk. Cho is still running around out there, is he not? Yeah, I, but I don't know where unless it's back in the Champions book. Yeah, and also I think I think Scar is on his is again on his home world the last time I checked. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that takes care of a few of them and I I prefer I prefer them ignoring the immediate similar hulks to Bruce Banner and instead focusing up on I forgot, you know, I forgot Sasquatch was uh, also gamma radiation before I reread before I read Immortal Hulk. Yeah. I mean, I knew it. I just, ne you know, how many well, they times never, they, it's never brought up. It's just, well, here's a guy that turned, you know, here's a book foot. That, that sort of it, you know? Yeah. It's Walter Lankowski. He's a member of Alpha Flight. He turns into Sasquatch calls Canada, you know? It, pretty much. That's pretty much what the, what the amount of that is. Yeah. And, and I mean, you, you forget that he did have this kind of uh, complicated situation with the Hulk where he was his roommate and so on. So and they come back in, they exploit that. And of course they've taken uh, Betty Banner or uh, Betty Ross, and they've gone back to her, when was it? It was the 70s that she became the Harpy, right? 
I believe so. Yeah, right around there. And so now they've got her running around like that again, but in a very, I don't want to say, I don't want to say Black Mirror because that's all technologically based, but in a biological monster Black Mirror sort of way, you've got everybody that Hulk comes in contact with seems to be afflicted with the same sort of gamma sickness that turns yeah. them into monsters. Uh, but uh, yeah, I got to tell you the uh, uh, the scene with the new abomination or the is that what they're calling him or just abomination? I, I don't remember if they gave him a name in this issue or not, but that's pretty much what it is. It's it's uh well for the first time ever he lives up to that name. Yeah, I mean like you know, some uh, weird freak thing that's sort of like the movie The Fly where he pukes where he pukes on Hulk and melts him down and yeah he's got it, yeah this is just. If you're not checking out that book, you really need to, and you should yeah. start from the you should start from the beginning. Marvel's done this thing where they put out very flimsy little uh, trade paperbacks of the first five six issues, and they're relatively cheap. So yeah, I'd strongly suggest picking that. I up. think and, I think those may be out of print. Oh oh the yeah because they yeah okay because right. they've announced a deluxe hardcover that's supposed to cover more than <laughs> a few issues so. well you know now screw you audience uh, and you've missed your chance to buy the little six and seven dollar copies of this so now you're going to have to pay 34.99 to read it <laughs> pretty much what it amounts to oh <laughs> uh, you didn't happen to read vader down did you no i have not read that have you read any of it uh yeah i read the first did one you, and the one where you, he's with the crazy woman. Okay, there you go. The love story. It's a love story, Albert. <laughs> I that one that one absolutely killed me. The the first one I thought was okay. This is this is interesting. Uh, the second one I thought okay, yeah, I I appreciate this. I, I like this. And when but that third one, that third one was awesome with the uh, uh, the, the uh, medic that was infatuated with him and had created her own little scenario where, you know, she's going to, she's going to marry him and be Lady Vader. <laughs> yeah. And all this other crap. And at the end of it, he's just like, nope. And then like, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> I mean, he's completely oblivious. That, that's the whole point of this series. He's completely oblivious to what's going on around him. And what we're getting is we're getting the point of view of these other characters. Yeah. Uh, these minor characters that we'd never pay attention to. Otherwise, if they had appeared in the Darth Vader ongoing book, you know, we might have gotten one line of dialogue out of them and then them fade to the background or something until the big ending. And that's it. And that's the extent of it. But instead, you're getting you're getting five different points of views of how he's how his mere presence, how just him being there affects a entire situation for somebody. Yeah. And I uh, so I really appreciated that. I enjoyed that. I know a few people have complained about it, but well, in the uh, movies you never got anything like that. It was just yeah, Vader, everything was way too specific between you. Just had the relationships to, between him and the characters, and that's it. You never really saw his overreaching power. He really had over anything. Or yeah, just the name. The name of it shows up because there's uh, the the last issue. I think issue number five uh, came out today. And and it's just more like they're all screaming Darth Vader, Darth Vader, Darth Vader, and as a result of that, they screw themselves up. Yeah, you know. And Vader does actually nothing more than Vader typically does. And the thing, it doesn't even occur to them. Yeah, you know, it doesn't even occur to him you know, the effect he's having and how he's managing to advance. And I think that I think that adds to a lot of the character of Vader and overall Anakin. Yeah, you know, it, there's. 
it, you you go back to when General Grievous cracks that joke of uh, uh, what was it? I thought you'd be older, General Skywalker, and you know I thought you would be taller. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> you know, as opposed to just the mere mention of a name throwing everybody completely out of kilter. So I thought they did a wonderful job with that little mini series. Uh, but I also love the um, volume one and volume two of both of the Vader books. Yeah, I thought those were outstanding. So what else you got on your docket? What else have you have you read anything else this week? I read uh, Leviathan Rising. What did you think of that? Or just I Leviathan. It's it's pretty good. It's it's more setup, which was which Event- sort of unnecessary because we had an f- entire story arc and action comics that was set up, and then we had like a ten dollar one shot that was more set up. So issue one of this is just more set up. Okay, so. is this is this Event Leviathan? Yeah. Oh, okay. All well, there's right. a so one shot. There's a one shot that was ten dollars, and this week is issue one of the Leviathan. Whatever they want to call, it. yeah, I think it's just called the Leviathan. That's getting awful bold. A one shot for ten dollars. I mean, what else have you know? I know we were talking about before we closed the physical store and all that. What have you heard about these uh, prices jumping up again? Well, it may, it may. Well, I mean, Lord Marvel already puts out five dollar books on the regular anyway. You know, if it's the issue one. Yeah. Or a big finale to something, they jacked the price of it up anyway. So, well, the word coming down the pike was their standard issues. They were getting ready for a, a price increase to possibly four ninety nine for what's currently three ninety nine comics, and they were, and and again, again, this is nothing set in stone. This is just you know comic book shop people talking amongst themselves and people, yeah, you know, that uh, that are in publishing kind of you know dropping hints here and there. But uh, uh, the rumor was is that they were really going to roll that uh, price increase out with the uh, Hickman X-Men reboot coming up. And, I mean, they, uh, they can, but if, if that was more line-wide, mm-hmm. then like you pretty much kill any of the, any of the C-level books are just gone. People just aren't going to buy them. Period. Well, I, yeah, I don't think they're, I don't see, I don't see Squirrel Girl jumping to four ninety nine an issue. Uh, at least well, God, even I if it, even if it doesn't, if other books do, people will choose their other books over that. Yeah, I mean, if, people, yeah. if someone really likes X Men, are they going to bid? Are they going to buy an X Men book, or are they going to buy Uncanny X Men? They're going to buy Uncanny X Men. Well, back to this, and and you, you know, I know, I know, I said the words Rob Liefeld, and you said you gave your unbiased opinion on him. I I kind of feel for the poor guy. I I appreciate that he's got a crowd following. Uh, I appreciate what he's accomplished. Very few people would be able to accomplish that. And I don't begrudge him anything he's got along those lines. I'd, I'd like to know more like why he would possibly say something like that. I know he stated that he was saying it about DC because he wants DC to be better. And I, I can see that. Uh, but uh, I also kind of feel for him because, you know, Major X, he he launches Major X, and here's the first appearance in the first issue of this character, except it turns out there was a character dressed like him that somebody jumped the gun on and put into another minor book in the background that you can't even really count as a first appearance. And he gets upset about that, and while he's upset about that, Hickman goes into the X office and says, hey, cancel all the X books, I want to do this. And so now Major X is one of the X books that's being canceled. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Major X. Major X is probably the worst book Marvel puts out. It is a very, very terrible comic. 
Like <laughs> just from the writing and art standpoint, it is an awful book with an awful character. That, well, how do that, you explain that fifteen dollars $15 for number one on eBay going right now? <laughs> none of them people read that book. But the problem is. Oh, oh, or is that that little, is that that special little app that people are carrying with them, telling them what to immediately run in and grab off the shelves? Pretty much. <laughs> I, all I, them Facebook buy and sell groups and all that jazz. It's, I mean, it's an awful, if you, if you read the book, you, 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 you I mean, it's, it, it's going to be dollar bin fodder soon enough, so. I, I read the book and it reminded me of the original X-Force and it reminded me of New Mutants after uh, Wheezy Simonson left it. Uh, New Mutants was a uh, New Mutants was uh, was a really good book that that had again similar to Hulk horrific elements to it that the X Men didn't necessarily touch or delve into, and you could just tell the entire shift when we moved away from that when Cable first showed up, it immediately became that hard hitting action adventure for the remaining few issues that were left, and then. It, it just naturally involved from that into X-Force. And yeah, I, yeah. I was never, you know, that was right about the time that I, I was I was in college and all that. So I just kind of bailed out on that. This was not as appealing to me. It didn't it didn't feel like the X-Men. Uh, I came back with Age of, uh, uh, Age of Apocalypse. Or I came back for when Magneto ripped the adamantium out of Wolverine. Which, yeah. uh, you know the story about that. You know who came up with that. Who actually uh, took? Uh, who actually pitched that across the table? Uh, they were having um, Marvel was having their X me uh, X Men meeting. They were all in a boardroom together. All these people and Peter David was writing X Force at the time, and X Force had gone from that hard hitting action shoot 'em up that Rob Liefeld had turned it into into something more of a. Uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to devalue it it was a it was a funny uh well done book but peter david was writing it and this is the first time that the multiple man is in it and he's taken over the x factor uh was it was it x it was x X force or x factor uh it was x factor i'm sorry yeah i apologize okay david took over x factor yeah and at one time he took over x force and did the same team from x factor did he not I, I may be hallucinating. All right. So <laughs> you don't have to look it up. I'll, I'll I'll quickly admit that I'm wrong on that, but it was X Factor and Peter David was in there and he said he was like balancing a pencil on his nose and everybody was running around the desk and they were like, well, what can we have Magneto do to drive home that, you know, this is villain Magneto again, that he's villainous. And I, oh, kill Quicksilver. Yeah, he could kill Quicksilver or he could do this. Okay, well, yeah, but what could he really do? And Peter David just chuckled and tossed out there, well, you could have him rip the uh, metal out of Wolverine's bones, and everybody went dead silent. <laughs> and Peter David said, right then and there, I knew that I had to make everybody swear that I never said that for however many years that this stood, that, you know, Wolverine was adamantiumless. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a well. That story was a pretty good story, but what they did with Wolverine afterwards was was pretty pretty jank. Like he went really like he started turning feral, which made him sort of look like a Ninja Turtles character. Yeah, they they did. They started de-evolving him, and his his bones uh, his bones and his musculature was getting larger, and his nose was uh, retracting into his skull, and he. Yeah, he put on one of the Ninja Turtles masks for a while. He had, yeah, he had like a bandana thing going on. 
Yeah, and then they tossed that. They tossed. They they went as long as they could with that. They didn't have a resolution in the main X Men book, and then they tossed that into Mark Wade's lap. Uh, he he just kind of suddenly Wolverine just kind of started snapping out of it. You know, no real explanation or anything along those lines. He was just, oh, suddenly he's getting better. Suddenly he's Wolverine again. Yeah. So yeah, you know, there was a quick. Yeah, there was a nice little flashback to the late eighty, uh, early ninety. Then they did the I think the twelve. Oh God! That you talk about a, you talk about a disappointing storyline. All these years, you know, Claremont started that up. All these years, the twelve, the twelve, the twelve, and you know, it turns out it's it's pretty much who you expect it to be, and three individuals you never really heard of, cared of, or you know, you know, why a cipher in here? He wasn't really, but I it, it 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 was along those lines. God, that was disappointing. And then, of course, you know, Cyclops and. uh apocalypse meld and die yeah and cyclops yeah that's you this goes on to these event driven books what are you you know what are you thinking about and i'm going to say this i'm going to say this up front i've i've pretty much enjoyed war of the realms so far it's entertaining and that's what i want in a comic book is it's entertaining me so far his you know this being an event book I, I really do think that I, I really do think we should wait for events rather than try to have one every year. Well, well yeah. Hick, Hickman's Secret War was like that. Uh, remember, like Daredevil Shadowland was the same way, where it was just an, it was just an arc the writer was building up to. Yeah, like and World War Hulk was like this too. The the writer was just building up to it, and it was a great book. And then we just sort of made it. Suddenly, we needed our big event. The... We needed our big summer thing. So here we go. War of the Realms is different than those. Is that the main War of the Realms book still is a good book and entertaining, while the the tie-ins seem horribly unnecessary. Yeah, at War least of the Realms is, is different based on quality, but it's still sort of the same thing. At least, and you got to give it to Marvel for this. I mean, you you still got just as many tie-ins as you do say in the first Civil War. But the the nice thing about it is is that the tie-ins are not part of the mainstream Marvel books. Like, remember the situation? Remember She-Hulk number seven, and uh, nobody ordered enough of She-Hulk number seven because nobody was reading She-Hulk number seven. But yeah. she got that Secret Wars tie-in thing, and suddenly it was like you're you know the, you, what y'all don't have any more copies of She-Hulk number seven three weeks after it comes out. You know, well, let's get the pitchforks and the, you know, torches and take care of this. How how did you not know that She-Hulk number seven was going to be in this level of demand? And the answer to that is because it's She-Hulk number seven. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so at least Marvel is doing the kindness of saying War of the Realms, X-Men, one, two and three. Yeah, it's not taking place in Uncanny X-Men 17, 18, 19, or whatever they're on right now. And uh, Spider-Man's got his own War of the Realms book, and it's not taking place inside of the content of uh, Amazing Spider-Man uh, at the moment. Hey, now that we're now that we're on to that, that's another one that came out this week. It pretty much wraps up the uh, uh, Craven's latest hunt. Have you been reading that? I have. That's been a really good story arc. That was I. I thought that was interesting, and this was kind of the wrap-up issue. Uh, the art suffered a little bit uh, in it. it. It looked a little rushed. I, I've seen this artist before, and they can do. Uh, they do. Uh, I've seen. I've seen better work from this artist. 
Uh, but it looks like somebody said, okay, we're, we're having this issue as a wrap up. So let's go ahead and put it in there. There's a really good line with uh, taskmaster. And I think what's her name? Red ant. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that's right. She, yeah. She's like a sea level character. She's in the, she's in the central park dome thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah there, there's a really funny line in there too, that I thought was well done. I've, I've been overall, I've been enjoying his run on amazing Spider-Man uh, uh, probably more than I did slots there toward the end. I, I like slot slot overall had a, a what had what I thought was a pretty good run on it. I just, you know, there, when we were getting up to issue 800, you know, we, we got a little more, we got a little more energy going with the red goblin and, uh, that kind of flatlined out there pretty much where we expected it to, uh, yeah, but the, this, the red goblin stuff I like, but a lot of the stuff beforehand mm-hmm. was just sort of him like, well, I got to do something with this character. So he would just do something and get them out the way and, you know, get their story out of the way, then go to a new character and do the same thing. Like it was just him sort of going through the motions until, until he could just sort of get to 800. Just would. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. You see when they first announced the Craven hunt thing, you know, yeah, they brought Craven back a while back. This is one of those books. Craven's last hunt by uh, Demetrius. They didn't need Craven did not need to come back. Craven did not need to come back, and yes, they brought him back anyway, and the current writer at least has the nice sense to round this out and bring us back to a place where it still honors that main story, yeah, that first story, which is one of the best Spider-Man stories, considering Spider-Man's not in it for the majority of the time, <laughs> that have come down the pike. All right, let's wrap it up on Spider-Man. Uh, what is it? The Spider-Man Through the Decades? I forget the name of that, but Life Story. Life Story, life story yeah. Yeah, you read that? Absolutely, that's that's the probably the best Spider-Man book to come out in a long time. And it's been heavily entertaining. I mean, my only gripe about it is that I I don't feel like I'm getting enough because they just take Polaroid shot of that one decade there. Yeah, like every like each issue sort of lines up with the next one. You know, simply do that. It's all the same timeline. But yeah, like every every issue, it's just like it's a one shot story that takes a, an old Spider-Man story or arc and just just reduces it down to that. And then we just go to the next thing. You know, we yeah. jump forward a few years later, next issue. Well, yeah. And I was, as I was reading this issue, I thought to myself, I was like, yeah, all this is well and good. And there's Tony Stark, but what in the hell happened to cap? And, uh, you know, of course you see the cover to the next issue. And I thought, Oh, okay. So long as we haven't forgotten captain America, we're fine. Yeah. So we'll come back and, you know, we'll come back and visit that. It's, it's just been really interesting. It's been really intriguing. And half of me, would like to see other stories done in that reality because you know there was a lot of stuff going on with Sue and Reed and uh, uh, Iron Man with the Vietnam War and Captain America with the Vietnam War and their you know their uh, differing points of view there that you don't get really any information on other than it's going on and half of me would like to see somebody come in and say okay well we'll do this one miniseries well see I wonder if this this is like a trial thing. Where this book is obviously done well sales wise and yeah. review wise, and like maybe the next book is Iron Man Life Story or Captain yeah, America it, Life Story or something like that. And it could very well be, but like I said, half of me wants to see it, and the other half of me says, "No, I, I, I really don't want to see this because we've seen situations like this from the marketing department before, and it goes downhill real quick." Yeah. Uh, and it kind of, yeah, and, and sometimes not only does it go downhill, 
it sometimes manages to detract from the you know, the story that we initially loved or enjoyed so much that, you know, that old tagline from Marvel, because you demanded it, sometimes Marvel needs to stop and think, well, just because they demand something doesn't mean they really need to, you know, get it. Here's Speedball for the 17th time in his own series because somebody in, you know, Des Moines demanded this. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah it, it like okay the well and that's a good example because speedball was one of those characters and i recall when i came back from um when i was a kid god i think i was in 10th grade and i went to atlanta fantasy fair and this is when marvel and dc would actually attend things that were not you know wizard worlds or comic cons yeah uh, yeah, so they were at Atlanta Fantasy Fair, and they were going through, and they were showing slideshows, and they were, you know, and coming up next year, you know, in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man, Marvel is happy to have creator Steve Ditko back, and he's going to introduce a brand new character, and here's a picture of him, and, and his power is he generates these little, you know, balls of energy around him, and, you know, kinetic force, and, and look, here's the design for him, and I, I sat there, and I watched that whole thing, and I was like, okay, and I come back, uh, from Atlanta Fantasy Fair, and I, I go and I tell my uh, friend Hatcher, I'm explaining it to him, and then I draw out a picture of Speedball. It was a real simple costume, <laughs> and I drew the little bubble balls around him, and I said, no, this is the new character they're going to introduce. <laughs> this is a Steve Ditko creation, man. And Hatcher looked at me, and he, uh, he said, how stupid do you think I am? <laughs> And I was like, no, really, there was a slideshow and everything. And so, you know, there was a, there was a large time difference back then from when they would announce things like this. You didn't have the internet. It wasn't everywhere at once. And also, you know, and, and time went by and I was beginning to worry. I was like, well, maybe I did imagine it, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there was something, somebody put something in my Coca-Cola or something. And I, and finally, finally, that amazing Spider-Man annual came out and I, we went to the comic book store uh, on Southside uh, uh, Alan Hammock's original Lion and Unicorn, and um, uh, we went in there, and, and there's there's our amazing Spider-Man annuals. And I said, "See, see, see." And Hatcher looked at it, and he said, "Well, I don't know whether uh, to apologize to you or to demand an apology from Marvel." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Well, you got at least I'm not insane." <laughs> so, but they took Speedball, and they they gave him an actual purpose in Civil War, and it could have ended right there. That could have been it. This character could have cycled through. That could have been his end. But instead, what we get is he comes back and now he's a BDSM character called Penance. And why do we need this? <laughs> why Why couldn't he have just, you know, died or have to go into therapy or something after and Civil it, War? And it took all, it took Warren Ellis of all people to fix that I, when it, he wrote Thunderbolts. It, what was his... Uh, exactly what was his fix on it i i know speedball's back he, to being speedball. really he just he just had meetings with doc sampson and that was pretty much it oh well there you see that's simple and straightforward i like that solution if we're going to be forced to keep a character around yeah but, like, like as far as putting him back the the speedball warren ellis sort of started that yeah okay all right well i'm good with that and and that utilizes doc sampson as well I, I think he gets, uh, I don't think he gets enough credit. I don't think they, I think this is a character that more people should interact with. Not uh, Marvel, listen carefully in case somebody gets this to you and all that. I am not at all suggesting you do a Heroes in Crisis. 
<laughs> but it'd be nice every now and again just seeing Doc Sampson hanging out at the Avengers Mansion. Well, he's in he's in the Mortal Hulk, and they use him good. But yeah, oh, yeah. Doc, Doc, Doc Sampson's character is, is very specific. Yeah. Where like yeah. he's not going to join the like. Oh, at I'm this not in time. He's not a, he's not joining the team and go beating the bad guys. He's he's he serves other roles. Yeah, and and I think that's important. He doesn't need to be a card carrying Avenger. He doesn't need to be. Yeah, you know, he is a Hulk character. He is a one of the main supporting characters in Incredible Hulk and has been for God knows how long. I'm just saying that there's interesting character development stories to be done where he's hanging out at Avengers Mansion and he's there because Hawkeye's having difficulty coming to terms with his loss of hearing or whatever. Yeah. You know, just little things like that. I miss yeah. the. I miss them taking time to uh, do character development. And Claremont would write what now would be considered very boring issues of the X-Men playing baseball. And I know they've tried to revisit that, and it just never works out the same. But there was a lot of issues of uh, Claremont's Uncanny X-Men that were majorly dialogue. Yeah. Uh, and the New Mutants as well. Uh, and and that's, that's kind of what endeared them to him. Now when you get a character show up... The character shows up, has to showcase their power and ability in a confrontational way against, you know, whatever uh, whatever story arc we're telling. And I, I just kind of think if we slowed it down and, and take time to go back into who these people are, you know, then then maybe we would maybe we could broaden the base a little bit more. The movies, uh, that, that's the thing about the Marvel Cinematic movie uh, uh, verse. They do that and people love it. But the comic books, you know, they tend to have gotten away from that. And I think that's something that they could, you know, Well, take. I think in, in Claremont's instant, if someone walked into Marvel, even if they were a known writer, yeah, and dropped a, a Claremont, an old, you know, back in his prime Claremont script for an issue. Oh, yeah. They would, they would, they would tell him, you know, you have to make this issue three or four issues long. Yeah. Because some of those Claremont issues that, that he would write like you, you know, like it would just be, it would almost be a page of prose. Like it would just, it would just be massive amounts of, of writing in that stuff. And like it, and, and today, that's that's three or four issues. You know, yeah. that's how they do that. Yeah, and it was more than just. And again, I, I've said at the beginning of it, I think the world of Bendis. I really enjoy Bendis, but the difference between Bendis and Claremont is Bendis really works to try to get their speech patterns down. Whereas Claremont is really working to delve into their character, yeah. and yeah, and in his own way, Bendis is delving into the character. But sometimes that uh, uh, the hanging out the mall at the mall and listening to how people talk interferes with character development more than just straight on saying something. Uh, Wolverine's interaction with Storm—you did not have to point blank hold up a sign or have a uh, dialogue between the two of them to uh in in claremont's time to let us know that there was something going on in between the two yeah. and the way they talked and the way they acted and little cues and the artwork like you know rachel screaming at rachel summer screaming in the middle of the night and wolverine is coming out of the same door storm is at three in the morning well you know they they weren't in there playing super nintendo yeah. so yeah it, it just little things like that they they're not saying look at this they're not hitting you over the head in it this is just things that if you're paying attention to like Watchmen, there's a lot going on in the background that yeah really does flesh out everything else. Well, all right, Albert, this is our this was our first podcast, and I know it's going to be a little rough. So, 
people hang with us. We'll try to have, what do you say, one of these a week? That'd work. One a week. Okay. All right. We'll try to we'll try to get on that one a week schedule. And I also understand that we're both going to go see uh, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home at the same time. So we can do a uh, podcast, a spoiler podcast on that, you think? Yep, yep. Works for me. All right. All right. Good deal. Well, we'll talk to everybody soon, and uh, I'm going to make a few footnotes after this, and then I'm going to put the introduction to it, and we'll go from there. Thank you all for listening, and please, if you like us, share with your friends, and uh, we'll, try to have, uh, we'll try to have more situations like this in the future. Talk to you later, Albert. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right, Albert. That was pretty good, don't you think? Yeah, I think it worked out pretty good. Okay, that was it. I've heard better. I've heard worse. We will work on editing these faster and getting them out to you on Thursdays. But this was our first attempt, and we have to learn as we go. Let us know what you think, and feel free to suggest topics to us other than just the weekly stash of comics and rumors. On behalf of Albert Marsh, Jason Bean, and myself, thank you.